Unlock your Bible. Discover the true meaning of life. Learn the cause of world problems and the astounding solution. Prove for yourself what the future holds. In the Trumpet Literature Library, you will find answers to life's most important questions. Explore these vital titles on Trumpet Bookshelf. Welcome to Trumpet Bookshelf. I'm Grant Turgeon. The Apostle Paul had an intimate relationship with his Philippian congregation. Now, this congregation of loyal brethren in God's church really does set an outstanding example for us today. Philadelphia Church of God Pastor General Gerald Flurry has been focused a lot on government recently. Law and government done God's way. And this is exactly the way that the Philippian congregation lived back in the first century in their interactions with the Apostle Paul. Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians that is canonized in your Bible around 64 AD. And he had recently been in Philippi, the city, setting up the church, essentially. Now, there was a loyal woman named Lydia, and she allowed Paul to use her house as a base of operations whenever he was traveling through. So he he traveled in there with Silas, and then it didn't take long before the persecution set in and city officials arrested the two ministers of God there, Paul and Silas. They even beat them. And yet God set them free with an earthquake. You can see that in Acts chapter 16. So there was this group of loyal brethren being established by God in Philippi, but there was a lot of persecution as well. Paul and Silas, when they were in prison, praised and thanked God. They sang out and rejoiced. And then God set them free with that earthquake. The jailer or the prison guard was about to commit suicide because his prisoners had just been set free. And then Paul and Silas actually came back and talked to him and that prison guard was converted to the truth. And then once Paul and Silas confronted the local officials for wrongly imprisoning and beating them, they went on to the brethren and were comforted and they received support from God's people. So quite uh, a sequence of events there in Philippi as God set up an extremely loyal and devoted congregation. So not long after this, around 64 AD, Paul is thinking back on his time in Philippi and he writes just a wonderful letter to these people. This book, Philippians in the Bible, mentions joy over and over again. And that's because the brethren caused Paul to rejoice. And also, joy is such a central part of God's way of life. We need joy to keep moving forward. 
And so really there is a lot we can learn from a book like this where Paul mentions joy 14 times. Don't we all need joy? Do we always have it? <laughs> this is something that goes deeper, deeper than happiness. We can be happy for a fleeting moment because of shallow things like a good meal or some relaxation time or a fun activity. But real joy is so deep and it comes straight out of the promises of the Bible. And joy can stick with us even when we're going through sore trials. Paul was able to rejoice even when he had nothing. Even when he was being persecuted, beaten, and thrown in prison, for example. So joy, we all need joy. And that's a major theme in this book of Philippians. But another major theme, like I mentioned, is the proper application of God's law and government. The Philippian brethren loved God's law, and they joyfully submitted to God's government. So you can just tell by reading Paul's letter to the Philippians, his level of affection for them. What what could really make a minister happier than cheerful obedience and encouragement and support and comfort from the brethren? Philippians 1 verse 3 says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy. That's verse 4. So Paul, every time he thought about the Philippians, thanked God. That's what a positive influence they were on him. And he was full of joy. He expressed joy in his prayers to God, thanks to the Philippians. There's a wonderful article from the Philadelphia Trumpet News Magazine of April 1994 titled, Develop a Philippian Attitude Toward God's Ministry. And this article does show how Paul did face some serious hardships for the sake of doing the work. And it shows exactly how the Philippian congregation really helped Paul. They caused him to rejoice in specific ways. And again, so much for us to learn from such an example. Paul had such a positive attitude about his suffering. I mean, it's just incredible to read his mentality. In, in chapter 1 here of Philippians, he says, Well, sure, I was persecuted, but it actually spread God's truth. More people found out about God's truth and became converted because of my suffering. So he always was able to find the positive in these things. Paul said, 
he didn't really mind whether he lived or died because there was a positive in either option. Verse 21, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. <laughs> so he, he continues and says, being with Christ, dying, and then the next moment when I'm alive, being with Christ is better. That is the ultimate end of a human life. That's our purpose, to live in joy with God and Christ for eternity. I have no problem with meeting that end. And yet at the same time, Paul said, but the longer I'm alive, the more time I get to spend with you, the brethren. And I know that you all need this interaction. You need God's loving government in your lives. And so I'm content either way, whether God lets me live or lets me die. That is just a relentless positivity. Just such an epic mindset from Paul. And here's how he did it. He explains exactly how he was able to remain so positive. He controlled his mind. Philippians 4 Verse 8, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Paul diligently policed his thoughts. He made sure he constantly stayed in a positive mental attitude, even through suffering, even while sorrowful. He still understood the purpose behind it all. He still realized that God had a reason for it. And he kept his mind locked on things above, locked on the positive, the edifying, and the spiritual. But definitely the Philippian brethren helped Paul a lot as well. He needed comfort from them. That's what this article talks about. Again, from the 1994 Philadelphia Trumpet, April 1994. Develop a Philippian attitude toward God's ministry. It says here, the Philippians excelled spiritually. And this made Paul feel just like a father, proud of a beloved child that is doing well. Paul call, called these people a crown. He, my joy and crown in Philippians 4 verse 1. He loved these people. This article says, as church members, we should realize that constant spiritual growth in God's people is always uplifting for a minister working among God's flock. All ministers need to see fruits of their labors. Paul deeply appreciated their spiritual efforts. He thanked God for them. Their spiritual development brought him great joy. So, really... The way we live does make an impact 
it can uplift those around us. It can uplift the ministry that God has given as a gift to us. They can really be encouraged when we live the right way and make changes and submit to the authority that God has given them. But notice, this love that the Philippians had for Paul was no shallow love. They loved Paul for a very good reason. Uh, This is Philippians 1, verse 9. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. You see, this wasn't just a blind, shallow, superficial love. It was a love that abounded in knowledge and all judgment. Paul never had to tell the Philippians that he was God's apostle. They already knew it. They already could tell by the fruits of the Holy Spirit that Paul was working for God. And so they loved Paul because he was God's apostle, because they saw God behind the man. They weren't just sucking up to him and trying to win positions and power for themselves. They saw God behind the man, and that's why they loved the man so much. And so that's how it needs to be with God's man today, with the ministry with anyone God has given a position to, instead of assuming the worst about them or being critical of them, just give them your support. And they really do appreciate it so much. But they loved Paul according to knowledge. They had spiritual knowledge. They received God's revelation through God's apostle. And that's why they loved Paul so much. Paul had struggles with a lot of his congregations, but really he never had to correct the Philippian congregation because they understood where God was working. And they joyfully, cheerfully submitted to God's government. We need to be able to discern God's leaders and see who God is using. It's all based on the fruits. The fruits of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Galatians chapter 5. If we can see those fruits in the ministry, then we know that God is using them and we should love them very much because God has given them to us as a gift. This article says, in general, members fall out of love with God's ministry when a focus is placed on personality. It is only human to favor a minister's personality that matches our liking. We must remember that all ministers are human and subject to making mistakes. 
It is easy to overlook the faults of a minister we favor. It is easy to keep a list of the faults of a minister we dislike. So that is what happens when we have just a shallow love for God's government. It becomes based on personality. We start, quote unquote, minister shopping. This minister is more cool. This one's more relatable or likable or funny. And we just gravitate toward those ones and sort of ignore the other ministers that don't fit with our personality as much. And that's just not the right kind of love that we should have for God's government. This article says we love a minister God's way by taking the focus off personality and putting it on the minister's labor and work. Again, the fruits, what is being produced, the example he sets for you, the messages he gives for your benefit, the counsel that he provides on behalf of God. And all the other ways that the ministry serves you. Focus on that and love them for that. So the Philippians were very obedient because they understood the deeper purpose behind it all. They understood where God was working and through whom God was working. Philippians has a lot of classic verses that really show us a lot about how to live the Christian way of life. Of course, Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So follow Christ's example, an example of humility. Not struggling and striving against each other and competing against each other. This, this article, again, from the April 1994 trumpet, says a true Philippian attitude is one that is always more concerned about the needs of others than personal wants. It talks about how we need to be careful to avoid strife of any kind. Stay focused on the big picture, the reward that God offers all of us of being in his family. We all have that same goal if we're part of the Philadelphia Church of God. So why would we squabble and fight with each other? This article says, if strife develops in a church area or between minister and member, it is time for self-examination on everyone's part to detect where the selfishness and egotism lie. So it's not about being fixated on what the other person did wrong. If we're in a conflict, inevitably, we're also doing something wrong. Something is behind it. We must be doing something wrong. 
we all have our own part to play anytime a conflict arises in God's church. If we're part of any sort of conflicts, there's always something we could do differently to hopefully cause the conflict to stop. But this is just what we need to do. Emulate Jesus Christ, the humility of Christ, being the greatest servant of all, rather than lording over other people and trying to crush them. This article says, in ruling over a church area, each minister should consider both the needs and desires of his flock. In other words, a minister should be open to input from his members. Each minister has the authority to make the final decisions related to local church issues. Members should be ready and willing to fully support these final decisions. The most frustrating thing any minister can encounter is a member who always bucks or balks at decisions. Philippians 2 talks about this. And and this is just, again, Paul's admonition to the Philippians to keep on doing what they're doing. Philippians 2, verses 14 and 15. Do all things without murmurings and disputings that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. This is a major way we are different from the world. We cheerfully obey God's government. We do not whisper about how much we hate the decisions. We don't allow bitterness to set in. Notice verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The Philippian brethren obeyed Paul, whether he was there in person or just writing a letter to them. They didn't just straighten up when the minister came into town. So that's another great lesson. Salvation is an individual affair. Each one of us has to fear and obey God. So Paul was able to rejoice because of the Philippian brethren. And of course, he caused the brethren to rejoice as well. The love abounded in this ancient congregation, thanks to God's family government. And we have a, a booklet by that title at thetrumpet.com. And really, we all need to study that. God's family government. It works, and it's beautiful, and it will cause an abundance of joy. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Trumpet Bookshelf. You've been listening to Trumpet Bookshelf. Please email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for new episodes every Friday at 10 a.m. Central Time.